The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D. E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Conrad Hetzer. Luella left almost as soon as the confrontation with her brother had ended, only lingering long enough to catch a few words of what was being exchanged between Merrick and Laidley. The older man's counsel was wise, but it would take more than that for Luella to ever trust Merrick. Something about him always made a cold chill run down her spine. No matter the atmosphere of the room, he somehow changed it with his very presence, as if a cloud of darkness shadowed him wherever he went. He had never once touched her or said anything inappropriate, but his eyes lingered too long on her sometimes. It was why she tried to avoid even being in the same room with him whenever possible. No one had accompanied Luella as she set off from the castle. She'd gone down the stables with enough money to keep the stable boy quiet, saddled her own black palfrey, and left no guard in her company. She found she was more comfortable on her own, enjoying the freedom of choosing where to go. One of her retinue was bound to tell her any given direction might not be the wisest of choices otherwise. It was an easy guess to assume that her brother and Merrick would take the fastest and most direct route to the church, so to avoid any detection, Luella decided to take the long way around. If the three Laidley sought were clever enough to use rabia powder to kill her father, Surely they would realize that every monastery had more than one way in and out. If Laidley had been thinking a little more clearly, he probably would have realized this as well. Though Luela had no idea where a secret exit might end up, she could only assume it would bring them closer to the port town of Ame. It was strange for Luela to be out on her own, defying orders such as they were, She'd expected a certain amount of anxiety, guilt even, for what she was doing. Her entire life had been spent in accord with her brother. Never had there been any large thing they disagreed on. Now, however, Laidley was bent on vengeance. It was the very same thing that turned Tig into the man he had been. We have to catch them before Laidley does. She told her horse. She dug her heels into his ribs and he snorted, picking up his speed. If Laidley found the trio first, he would most certainly kill them without a second thought. If they were truly Celts as Merrick had said, a war would then be started. Though perhaps that was what Laidley wanted. It would be a way to prove himself. A chance to show everyone that he could be just as heartless and callous as Tyg had been. What better way than to wage war with the Celtic nations? They were islands of mystery and deep loyalty to one another. A family where blood did not matter. During his lifetime, Tyg hated the Celts more than any other and sought to destroy every last tribe on the Celtic Isles. Their camaraderie was a threat to his reign. Though they did not actively seek to overthrow him, the very knowledge that they could was enough to make him act in fear and begin making his wars. 
galloping at breakneck speed. It came as a sharp surprise when the horse whinnied a loud protest, digging his hooves into the damp soil and rearing. Luella pressed her knees tight to the stallion and leaned forward, narrowly avoiding being thrown. She jerked the reins when he tried to turn and run back the way they had just come. The horse pranced nervously, shuddering beneath her and spooked by something Luella couldn't see. Hush, she commanded. She swung a leg over the saddle and jumped to the ground, the reins still held tightly in her grip. All right, calm down. The horse threw his head when Luella tried to soothe him with a gentle hand to his nose. Her curiosity peaked. Luella tied the reins to a tree so she could explore. Nothing seemed odd to her, but the palfrey was a sensitive horse. He had to have seen or smelled something troubling to be so startled. Either way, she could be in danger. She looked at the horse and stroked the side of his face. Run, and run quickly. Once he was free, she slapped his flank and sent him galloping back through the forest. Luella knew what she had to do now, and her horse would not be safe where he was, especially tied up. She paused a few moments to listen to the fading hoofbeats. As soon as she was sure the horse was far enough away, Luella stood tall and locked her knees. A pain ripped through her body to her very core and she cried out. It seared when her fingers elongated and joints formed where humans should have none. Her clothing melted into her skin, iridescent black scales in its place. Toes turned into claws, wings spanning 16 feet wide when fully extended erupted from her shoulder blades, followed quickly by a tail at the base of her spine. As her face lengthened, and her lips went from mouth to maw, it took everything in her not to cry out. Dropping to all fours, the transformation from human to dragon was now complete. Five times her normal size, Luella had to move from where she crouched in order to have room for her new girth. In draconic form, it was much easier to see the three sets of hoofprints in the shadows though the sunlight bothered her eyes more, one of the drawbacks to being a kindred to the dragons of darkness. She would need to be cautious as she moved about the woods and watch for any predators or hunters. Luella had shifted into her dragon form only a small handful of times, and for no longer than a few minutes. No one in her family knew she could do it, and she prayed they would never find out. Tig had not been a gale, and that meant her mother, who was most certainly not a gale, had to have been intimate with another man to produce a daughter who could become a dragon at will. It also meant that Luella was part gale. It was one of the reasons she'd been so quick to try and stop Laidley from killing the three he now sought. In part, they were her kin. She would risk a night in the rain if it meant finding them. One of the few benefits to Tig being a crazy warmonger was his constant thirst for knowledge. He needed to know everything about everyone, and therefore had a literary collection that filled two separate rooms. With the Gales being his biggest opponent, at least in his mind, 
His library was extensive, stealing books one at a time. Luella learned about her gift and what it meant for her. She also learned that dragons and gales could speak to each other with just a thought. There was never a reason to test this before, but now the idea was rather enticing. She'd found the church easily enough, and stayed perfectly still in the shadows when Laidley and Merrick passed her. They were headed back to the castle with three soldiers, and something being dragged behind the trailing horse. The sharp tang of blood filled Luella's senses like old metal on her tongue. That did not bode well for her mission of mercy. When morning dawned on her third day alone in the woods, she decided it was time to try a new approach. It would be her first time using Mindspeak, but if she reached even one other creature, it could aid her in her search. Lashing her tail in anticipation, Luella tried to remember what the books had said about it. Just think. Far beneath the ground Luella stood on, the water dragon leading Ashton and Kanade poked his head above the surface and froze. The sisters exchanged glances as they too stopped. What is wrong with him? I don't know. Ashton watched the dragon with slight concern. Are you alright? Did you hear that? Ashton's eyes narrowed and she glanced around. Hear what? On the surface, Luella snorted in excitement. She could hear the young water dragon. Give me your name and your exact location. Her voice sounded much more commanding than she'd ever heard it, almost like it was coming from another being entirely. How can you not hear that? The water dragon spat in Ashland's direction. Surprised, he turned his attention to the new voice in his head. I am Elos McGee, my lady, and am fully at your service. Currently, I am in the tunnels underground that lead away from the House of the Brethren, shepherding two irritating young girls to the surface. Ashton glared at the dragon she now knew was named Elos, but said nothing. Why do they not respond? Tell me your names. I believe they cannot hear you, my lady. Elos turned in the water to look at Ashton and Kanade. They are but pets pets seeking seeking to avoid avoid the hand of justice. justice. Where will you come above ground? ground? These children may be the two two I seek. She waited for the answer, but instead of words, a picture was forced into her mind of a spring that came up close to Ame. Thank you, my friend. We shall meet there. Ashton held her hand aloft, and a ball of blue and gold flames lit up the murky tunnel. Elos hissed fiercely and disappeared under the water. What What is going going on? on? Kanade shied away, wide eyes going from the fire in her sister's hand to the spot where the dragon had disappeared. Lenny? Ashlyn was too focused to hear her. Ashlyn! Finally, green eyes blinked and Kanade relaxed slightly. Control, remember? There is not enough room in here. You would kill us all. Ashland stared at her sister a moment, taking the words in one at a time 
and processing them slowly. Eventually, she nodded and closed a fist over the flames, extinguishing them instantaneously. Very well. Let's turn around and go down the other tunnel. Ashlyn started back, and Kinaid followed with confusion on her face. Why? What happened? Because following the dragon will now take us to our captors. Kinaid let go of a gasp of betrayal, and then another gasp when Elos <gasps> appeared from the wall like a sponge oozing excess liquid. For all your all fancy, fancy words, words and hoity attitude, attitude, you certainly act more like a whelp than I would have expected. Ashton glared at him, his words in her head like the soft buzzing of a bee caught in a jar. She reached for Kanade's hand, poison in her glare at Elos, and tugged her sister along. The other tunnel leads farther underground and stays there. Elos clung to the wall, unfazed by her venomous looks. Your only other option is the way you came, and there is no telling if that way is yet clear for you. The words hit her, and Ashlyn growled, low in her chest at first, and then building audibly. In her frustration, she threw her torch down the tunnel, where it went out as soon as it hit the water. Darkness became a heavier blanket over them, but Elos appeared amused at the little tantrum. For a long moment, no one breathed a word. Kinaid drew closer to her sister, one hand in Ashland's, the other clutching their only torch left alight. Ashland's angry and uneven breathing bounced off the walls, amplified, and making her sound much bigger and more dangerous than she was at the moment. Ultimately, she turned to Elos with hurt and defeat on her face. Why did you tell them we were here? Elos shifted his weight on the wall, white eyes blinking before partially closing. I had no choice. There was obvious shame in his tone, albeit slight, and Ashlyn watched him closely. What do you mean you had no choice? The dragon swished his tail. Do you understand nothing of what you are? Lenny? Ashlyn held up a finger, silencing Kinade. Please, Elos. I need to save my sister, if nothing else. I am sorry for my temper, but this situation is not as amusing for us as it seems to be for you. Something in her mental tone made Elos duck his head. He didn't respond for a moment, and when Ashlyn started to turn away, sure of his silence, he gave a soft whine. Ashlyn stopped and looked at him once more, surprised by the feeling of submission that came with the sound. I have lost track of the way my people live. How I am supposed to live. I know we have our rules and alliances and levels of command, but I have been down here for so long that I've forgotten them. Sensing Kinaid's growing sense of unease, Ashlyn repeated his words. Why? Why have you been down here for so long? And what does that have to do with anything? 
Elos dipped his tail into the water, as though seeking comfort from it. Because... Because... Tell her to put her hand on me. This will take days if you have to repeat everything. Ashlyn eyed the dragon for a moment, considering. With pursed lips, she nodded in his direction, her gaze never leaving him. Put a hand on him, Nady. You'll be able to hear him. Kanaid moved forward slowly, letting go of Ashlyn. If you hurt her, I will kill you. You have my word. Elos was humble but sincere, quick before Kanaid's small hand was on his back, and all three were open to the conversation. It's going to hurt, Ashlyn told her, referring to the foreign voice that would soon be in her head. But you'll get used to it after a little while. I know. I remember the last time you tried to speak to me like this. Ashlyn nodded once before turning her attention back to Elos. Now, start talking. You're young. He immediately recoiled at the look of disapproval on Ashlyn's face. What I mean is that there is still much for you to learn about our kind. Like humans, there are those of us who are fickle and vain. We care only for things that make our personal world a little more comfortable. I was not such a source of comfort to my family and ended up down here to protect myself. If my disfigured body could not be looked upon, then then I I could not be looked upon. Could not be. I looked upon could not be looked upon. How awful. Kanade's head was bent, and her eyes were closed. So what you're saying is that we serve you no purpose, and so you must rid yourself of us? No. no. His serpentine head swiveled, turning white eyes to Kanade. Remove, Remove your hand so that I may show you. Kanade did as she was told eyeing the dragon curiously. He let go of the wall and fell into the water with a graceful splash. The sisters shared a glance when it took him a moment to reappear. I must ask you one thing. Ashlyn turned her gaze down the tunnel, knowing Elos was there, but unable to see him. Please, do not scream. Do not... Ashlyn reached for her sister, pulling her from the near wall to keep her close. Stay calm, Nady. He asked us to stay calm. Standing close together, Ashlyn felt the shiver that ran down Kanade's spine. She scared so easily, it was a wonder she'd lasted so long without having some sort of a breakdown. The water up ahead of them moved and Kanade lifted her torch to get a better view of what was coming. When Elos stepped into the light, she covered her mouth with her free hand to hold in a cry of pity. The figure before them was no longer a dragon, but not quite a man either. One side of his face was smooth and lovely, with pale skin and an eye so blue it could have been a direct reflection of the ocean. Long blue hair brushed his shoulders in damp clusters and tangles, and thin red lips seemed carved into a permanent frown. The left side of his face, 
from hairline to his neck and below the collar of his tattered shirt, was a mask of the same scales that covered his body when he'd been a dragon, his left eye just as white as it had been before. Please. His voice was higher than it had been in Ashlyn's head, and she recognized the accent for the first time as it echoed around them. It surprised her to hear the vulnerability in his tone. He clenched his left fist, or what should have been a fist, but was another extension of his dragon form. I'm sorry. I know how hideous I am. I didn't mean to frighten you. Canade seemed frozen, still staring with a hand over her mouth. Ashlyn, on the other hand, peered at him with curiosity. You're a gale from Ebeus. I know that accent. What happened to you? Elos looked down at his taloned hand. I was attacked by wild dogs when I was a boy. It was my first time shifting alone and they caught me right in the middle of it when... When my family saw that the damage done would be permanent. He trailed off, letting the girls figure the rest out for themselves. And you've been down here ever since. Ashton looked at his torn and poorly patched clothing. He nodded and looked down at the water with obvious shame. I'm sorry that happened to you, Elos. I am. But it neither explains nor excuses you telling whoever it was that we were down here. I'm surprised you couldn't hear her. We are limited in our abilities when we are in human form, though I thought for you it would be different. I suppose it may have been simply because she was unfamiliar to me. For a long moment, Elos simply stared at Ashlyn, half his face frozen under lustrous scales, the other free from any discernible expression. Perhaps. He seemed to decide something then, and it appeared to put him a little more at ease. She is young in her gifts, this one you cannot hear, but she gave me an order, and I had to obey it. Why? It was the first thing Kanate had said since Elos had shifted, and his eyes went to her. She is the Dragon of Darkness. Simple Gaia like myself cannot willingly disobey a direct order from a direct descendant. An elemental? Kanade looked up at her sister with worry. Why would an elemental be after us? The frown Ashton had been wearing deepened, and she looked down at her sister. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Why would an elemental be on Tig's side? If it helps... I felt no malcontent in her words, just determination. This did nothing to change Ashlyn's thoughtful scowl. Are you sure it was an elemental? I know the difference between my kind and theirs. Perhaps she is here to protect us. Maybe she knew somehow that we needed her and she is here to protect her kin... She trailed off, shrinking from the glare her sister was giving. Sorry. I know the difference between my kind and theirs. Both girls looked at him, one with hopefulness 
and the other with a mixture of pessimistic disbelief and irritation. Really? Really? Why do you think I didn't attack you? You invaded my home, my solitude. If it had been anyone else, they would be dead by now. You you just sent my temper racing because it was so unexpected. I began with discourtesy, and for that I apologize, but when you started giving it right back... The corner of his mouth twitched into a small smile. It's been... so long since I've had anyone to talk to. Kanae looked up at her sister with a trace of amusement as well, but there was hardly a reflection of the levity the others shared. In fact, Ashlyn appeared to be quite the opposite of humored. Slightly irritated with her sister, Kanae returned her attention to Elos. We need to get out of here, Elos. We need to find our friend and go home. Do you truly believe that this dragon means us no harm? He shook his head slowly. I felt no ill will in her thoughts, though I cannot say for certain that there was anything positive either. Well, that is good enough for me. (laughs) Good enough for you? What else is there to do, Ashlyn? Now Kanade was getting frustrated. Ashlyn had to sit and look at every angle, weigh every option. Kanade had never been like that. She reacted with her emotions more than her head, and trusted her gut feeling. It was a thing Ashlyn would never be able to do, because she was too analytical. We have three options open to us right now, correct? We let Elos take us to the surface where we meet the elemental. Maybe it's blind optimism because I'm your sister, but I feel quite secure in the fact that you could defeat her if it came down to it. Option two, we go back the way we came and risk American as men still being there. And Briac. She couldn't bring herself to finish that thought. Kanade may have been young and a bit on the naive side, but she understood full well what they might find of Briac if they went back. Option three. We become hermits and stay down here with Elos for the rest of our lives. It was quiet for a long moment, and Elos stood watching the girls, his mismatched eyes trained mostly on Ashlyn's face. She hardly noticed, lost in the process of weighing the options her sister presented. At length, her tongue swept over her lips to moisten them, tasting the stale air around her. With a small sigh, she looked at Kanade. I think we should go back. The surprise was evident in the other two, but Kanade recovered quickly. With determination on her childlike face, she took an emboldened step away from her sister, then another until she stood on the left side of Elos. He flinched away from the torchlight, his white eye closing almost all the way. Kanade quickly switched hands and held the torch further away so as not to bother him. I'm going with Elos, then. What? Ashlyn stared, incredulous. A glare at Elos had his head down, not wanting to be caught in the middle of it. Kanade, do you know what you were saying? You would place your trust in a stranger over me? Your sister? 
It's not about that, Linny. Elos ventured a look at Kanade when he heard her small voice break. There were tears shining in her eyes, and her bottom lip quivered. It's not about that. I cannot go back there and see Briac killed. I cannot do it. I'm not as strong as you are. Her tears spilled over, and Ashlyn was there in the next second, wrapping her arms around her little sister. It's all right. It's all right. I understand. She took the torch from her sister and handed it to Elos so she could embrace her better. Resting her chin on Kane's head, she gave Elos a stern look. Do not betray us. I may have no choice. I am just a lowly guile. She is an elemental and therefore outranks me in any of my personal decisions. And what about me, since you claim to be so insightful? It will come down to whoever gives the order first, I suppose. Then I order you to- He stopped her with a shake of his head. Right now? You're just a human. If Ashlyn could have killed him with a glare, she would have had him dead before another breath passed his lips. Stop it! Kanade straightened in her sister's arms, swiping at her tears with frustration. Stop it, Liddy! Looking up at Ashlyn, her gaze was pleading. The best we can do right now is keep going and take this meeting with Elemental one step at a time. What good are we doing standing here? Fine. Ashlyn snatched the torch away from Elos. Then this is how it will go. You, dragon, will exit first when we get there and meet with this elemental before we even emerge. His lips parted in protest, but Ashlyn continued without room for him to speak. Through your words, I will be able to judge the situation. So choose them carefully. If and when I decide it is safe for us to come out, we will. If not, then you will take my sister, and you will leave while I distract this elemental. Kanade's eyes went wide. What? No! There is no room for argument, Kanade. It may be the only way for you to escape. What if she's stronger than you? What if she kills you? Ashland's brows pulled together. What happened to that blind optimism you had just a few moments ago? Kanade said nothing, but wrapped her arms around herself. Reaching out with her free hand, Ashland took Kanade's chin and made her look her in the eye. It's going to be fine. Elas will protect you. I will. He didn't even need the prompting glance Ashlyn shot him. You have my word. If there's a battle, I will get you away safely. Kanade sniffled and looked at Elos when her chin was free. I know. I trust you. Elos seemed surprised by this and Ashlyn smirked, almost caustic in her gaze. She trusts everyone. Dipping her head, she kissed the top of Kanade's curls before trudging on to find another dry place to rest.